Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. So today, as we begin our, our teaching portion of the service, I want to begin with some words that, uh, for, for some of you, will be very familiar. Uh, and if they're not, we're going to unpack them here in just a little bit. But words that strike us, uh, one, because of who said it and what was said. And I want to lead off today with this phrase, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, now I know some of you know right where Jesus uttered those words, what was happening around him. Those words we find in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46 where Matthew is recorded that about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. He cried out in the Hebrew and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now the criminals and the crowd have been taunting Jesus. Darkness has covered the noonday sun. Pain is racking his body and Jesus cries out. These words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, now Jesus has prayed multiple times already uh, in the garden that this cup would pass, that God would spare him from this suffering, but yet he commits to follow through. He trusts the Father. Not my will, but thine be done, Jesus prays. And so, so Jesus is not here on the cross by accident. He's at, here at the will of the Father, and, and Jesus is surrendering to that, and he's leaning in. But yet in those moments, God seemed silent to him. He felt abandoned, perhaps forsaken, alone. Have you ever had to live with those feelings? That feeling of being abandoned or alone, maybe forsaken. The author of Hebrews reminds us in chapter 4 that, that, that Jesus is able to empathize with our weakness, that he has experienced the same temptations uh, that we do, yet he did not give in to sin. And this final message today in our series, When God Seems Silent, today, if you would feel like God seems silent, maybe you would feel alone. Maybe you would feel abandoned or forsaken. Friends, Jesus knows how you feel. And not only does he know, he's empathizing and compassionate towards you in that difficult place. He, he understands that pain and the difficulty of those seasons, and he longs to give you grace and mercy and help in your time of need. The reality is he was in that place before you were. Do you believe that's true today? Do you believe that's true in, in your story, in your life, 
in that place where you feel that desperation. Do you believe that's true today? Today, we, we ask the hard and searching question, do you trust him? Do you trust him? Often, whether or not we can walk through those difficult seasons when God seems silent comes down to a matter of trust. Do you trust him? You know, throughout our series, we've been seeking to understand how how to approach life when God appears uh, not to be speaking or when he seems silent. We believe on on this side of the resurrection and uh, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus that he's never actually silent, that he speaks through his word and through his spirit in our lives, and yes, through his church. Uh, God has not left himself without a witness, without a voice in our world. Now, throughout our series, we've addressed things like listening to God and avoiding sin, and yes, even waiting. Now, now these topics have all been distinct, and they all have nuance and application to our everyday lives, but yet they carry a common value, a common theme, if you will. And that common theme is trust. It's trust. You see, because if you trust that God speaks, you're going to listen. You're going to lean in to listen. If I trust that God desires intimacy, if I, if I trust that God has my highest good in view, I'm not going to hold on to those sins that he's asking me to let go of. If I trust that God has a plan, if I trust in his timing and that it's perfect, I will wait in confidence on him. Trust. But you see, if we would remove trust from any of these uh, ideas, God may very well seem silent to us. Now, to be sure, our world is constantly trying to push us away from trusting in the Lord, to push us into trusting in things we can taste and see and touch and smell, you know, our senses. Our world is always pulling us in that direction. Through the brokenness and the pain of the world, we've become uh, accustomed to life with trust issues. We toss that around as a cliche saying, I've got trust issues. Now, those can come from so many places because we've been let down. Perhaps you've been lied to, uh, you've been abandoned, and you just don't trust, and frankly, you might not want to. But the reality of Jesus, of who he is, and and the relationship that he invites us into, those trust issues are not him. It's not Jesus. It's not what he longs for us. It's not the life he wants for us. That state of uncertainty is not his plan. It's not his best for you. When Jesus said what he did on the cross, he wasn't just crying out in his anguish. He was quoting scripture, and in so doing, I think he's revealing a truth about how he really felt in those moments. And today I invite you to turn to our teaching text in Psalm 22. Psalm 22, we're going to read the first uh, five verses. Psalm 22, beginning in verse 1. This is a psalm of David. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night I find no rest. 
Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one that Israel praises. And you, our ancestors, put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. You see, when Jesus cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He he was reaching back across 500 years of history to the words of King David in Psalm 22. Jesus echoed the words of David, how David felt when God seemed silent in his life. Perhaps maybe what should stand out to us the most today is that Jesus quotes a psalm in these moments that acknowledges the felt pain, acknowledges the isolation, yet moves. See, it moves from that felt experience. It moves into uh, acknowledging uh, Jesus, acknowledging God and his holiness his faithfulness to past generations. You see, Psalm 22 progresses from the desperate plea for God's presence to a declaration of trust. Psalm 22 progresses from the desperate plea for God's presence to a declaration of trust. And friends, that's the essence of the journey we're invited on today. To acknowledge where we are, how we feel, but to move beyond that place to a place of trust. To trust in God, even when we don't see it, even when we don't understand it or when he seems silent. Will you trust him today? Will you trust him? Let's pray together. Lord, we we want to trust We want to trust uh, in who you are and in your faithfulness upon generation and generation and generation, Lord. Lord, we want to trust. And so today, will you reveal yourself, Lord? Uh, Reveal in our hearts the places that we're holding back, Lord. Maybe where we've started to doubt, where the world has convinced us to trust what we can see and what we can figure out, Lord, when your word is saying, trust me. God, we want to trust you. So show us those places, Lord. Lead us, teach us to trust today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, as we begin to unpack this idea today, I want to take a, just a minute to clarify some terms. Uh, this is a step that I had to take earlier this week as I was beginning to unpack this idea of trust because we use a lot of terms in the church and in general language interchangeably, really. Uh, so I want to look at trust, faith, and belief. Because they, they all kind of intersect, but yet they all have nuance that will play out for us today. Uh, we, we will often say that we believe in God, or you hear someone say that, and, and they're referring to uh, his existence. That God exists, that he is real, it's a reality. We believe in God. Uh, we talk about faith in him. We have faith in Jesus, faith in, in who he is and what he said uh, uh, that he has done. Uh, and what he says, and so we place our faith in him, and that's the essence of our relationship with him. And trust brings those two ideas really together into experience. Google defines trust as the firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability, or the strength of someone or something. 
uh, I found a story that I think helps illustrate this for us today, uh, belief and faith and trust. Uh, Charles Blondin, perhaps, uh, will help us with this. He was an acrobat, daredevil kind of guy back in the 1800s. Uh, in 1859, Charles uh, walked a tightrope across Niagara Falls. I wish they'd have had cell phone cameras back then because that would have been a cool YouTube video. But uh, he walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Now, now, he would go to do this forwards and backwards, and, and he even took a, a, a stove out there one day and cooked breakfast on the high wire. Uh, it's just, I don't even know how you begin to pull that off. But he was amazing. He drew crowds of people. They were infatuated with what he could do. And, and one day, he, he starts out, and he walks backwards across the tightrope into Canada. And he returns pushing a wheelbarrow. Now, I don't know about you, but I have an, a good enough time trying to push a wheelbarrow on flat ground much less a tightrope. But yeah, here he comes pushing a wheelbarrow across the rope. Well, he, he arrives back near the shore and, and he begins to ask the crowd, he says, do you believe, do you believe that I can push someone in this wheelbarrow across to the other side? Yeah, you know, they're in it. Of course you can do it. He says, great, who wants to get in? <laughs> Nobody. You see, they had faith that he could do it. They believed that they could do it because they had seen him but it took trust at a whole nother level to actually put it on the line and get in the wheelbarrow. That's trust. Get in the wheelbarrow and go. So you, you bring that into our relationship with the Lord to trust him is a, a bringing together a merger of our belief in his existence and our faith and in who he says he is into the everyday details and happenings of our life. We bear weight on our trust, on who we know him to be. And man, when, when things are going good, when, when it makes sense, when you can kind of see the dots connecting, like trust is awesome, right? It's exhilarating to live in that moment with the Lord, trusting that he's got it. But what about those times when it's not going so great? When it really doesn't make sense. You can't see what God's up to. You can't see how he's going to come through. In those moments, trusting God can be one of the hardest things we're called to do as followers of Jesus. That's trust. I remember as we were working to, to launch this campus, uh, it seemed like trusting God, that, that tension uh, could go from the easiest and most exciting thing to the hardest in, in the same week and, and sometimes in the same day. Uh, I'll never forget uh, Vision Night. Some of you would have been there. Vision Night, we cast vision. We announced to the, our church campus there in Harrisonburg, we announced publicly, we had a celebration of, of you, of this, coming together, this church. And so we celebrated with hundreds of people praising God and, and doing only what he could do. Man, trust was awesome. Fast forward a couple weeks, the world announced this crazy thing that we wish we could forget called COVID-19. And the world shut down. And we're like, Whew. I mean, Lord, did, did, did we misunderstand you? Did we have some bad pizza? Like, what, what is this? We, we thought we, we, were, we were in, but, but now a pandemic? Trust got hard. Trust God hard. Well, it, it would go on, and, and, and man, we were 
uh, seeing the Lord provide for us financially to meet our budget goals and beyond, it was crazy. Trust was awesome because we couldn't explain, and I still can't explain how God raised all the money for this campus, but he did it. Man, trust was awesome. But as I was down here and and walking building after building and having conversations, and we just couldn't come to that point of signing an agreement on a space, trust was hard. And then I've got Portable Church, uh, the, the company that, that makes all the gear and all the things. They're saying, look, if, if, you don't, if you don't sign, if we can't start this, you're not going to make your deadline. And having to sign that contract before we had a space inked out, trust was hard. But God is faithful. God is faithful. You see, that, that, that tension of trust, it, it's, it's not new. It's woven throughout the story of God's people for generations. And, and as we would look at Psalm 22, we find David fleshing this out, having the hard conversation, if you will, with the Lord before the Lord crying out to him. And as this psalm begins, you get a picture, just listen to the terms of how desperate David is crying out, how much he longs for the Lord to intervene and be near. He begins by saying, my God, my God. He, he's not crying out to some unknown deity. No, he's crying out to God, his father and friend. This is a repeated and personal plea, a plea of desperation. And then comes that question, right? Why have you forsaken me? This idea of to be forsaken is to be abandoned or deserted. David felt alone in these moments. That's what he's crying from. And he goes on, he says, why are you so far from saving me? Why are you so far from my cries of anguish? Anguish here, if you would unpack that a little bit farther, it's the idea of of severe mental or physical pain or suffering. He's saying, God, why are you so far away? Why do you seem so far away? He goes, my God, I, I cry out all day, but you do not answer by night. I find no rest. In these pleas, David reveals like it seems like God is silent in those moments. Like like God doesn't hear despite his suffering, despite his pleading, despite his sleepless nights. And I must think that as Jesus quoted that psalm, that spoke to how he felt in those moments. And maybe today that's how you feel. Maybe your journal for the past couple weeks or months would look like your version of Psalm 22. Where are you? Why does it seem silent? Maybe that's how you feel despite your faith, despite your belief, but you just can't see the way forward. You feel alone, forsaken, like God is distant. Maybe the pain and the suffering is a reality. Maybe it's a, a cloud of uncertainty that is covering your horizon. You're crying out. You're crying out. Friend, if that's you today, if that resonates with your story, I I pray that that you would find comfort and hope in the reality that Jesus knows how you feel today. That he knows how you feel. That even as the Son of God, he found himself in that place in his humanity. And what that says today is that you are not alone. 
You're not alone. Despite how it feels, how real that is, you're not alone. God knows how you feel and he's longing to reach out and embrace you in grace and mercy and help. You're not alone. You're not alone. How did David step out? How how did Jesus, how, how did these two men choose trust? What would that decision look like in your story? What would that choice of trust be like today? Where does that journey begin? For David, it began with two powerful words. Powerful words that, that were a transition. He says, yet you. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. You see, for David, that first step of trust was to look beyond what he could see, to look beyond how he felt, what he could understand, to look to the one, the Holy One, to place his trust. You see, he was stepping beyond the uncertainty to step into who he knew God to be. That first step was remembering the faithfulness of God to past generations and saying, Lord, I will trust in you. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. I don't like the way it feels, but Lord, I'm going to trust. Yet you, Lord. What would it look like for you to say today, yet you, Lord. Yet you. And friend, I, I can imagine that that step is hard. Because the pain and the anguish that you're feeling is real. But the call is to say, yet you, Lord, to hop in the wheelbarrow and go with him and trust. And trust. It's a hard step, but it's one we've got to take. It's one we've got to take. Um, I was looking for a way uh, to try to illustrate the power of this step of this placing our weight in trust in Jesus. And and I came across Angel's story, a story of tragedy and, and trauma, but a story of hope, a story of trust. I, just, I want you to, to listen as she unpacks her story a little bit, how trust changed things for her. I was a single mom at 20 with a little baby girl. And I remember the first time that my phone rang when I answered it was Matt and he was calling to ask me out on a date. And four months later, we were getting married. Matt adopted Hannah. And the next years of our lives were um, full of having kids. And I remember having this thought. Having this thought about him when he got up that night to go to Josiah's cry, that he's a better dad, better parent than I am. And he brought him to me and put him in the bed between us. And he just said to me, he just needed his mama. And we went to sleep. I remember just hearing a sound and I just turned my head towards our door 
and saw the shadow of a man just standing in our doorway. I immediately knew that this was real, like this was not a dream. And he opened fire on us. And Matt got up to fight with the man. And I knew that I had been hit. And I just grabbed Josiah out of the bed and we ran out of the house. And I remember um, being on the phone with 911 knowing that I was bleeding. SWAT team got there within minutes and were taking me to the hospital and um, being stitched up and having a doctor come into my room to tell me that Matt did not survive. You know, what came out of me was a sound that I had never heard, but it was a nightmare and I knew that I was living this nightmare. I was really living out um, trauma. Every, um, every night it would set in. As the sun would begin to go down, I would start having physical anxiety and just feeling so afraid. And being a believer, praying every prayer, I did all that stuff and the fear would not relent. And I started realizing that I didn't trust any anyone. I didn't actually trust the Lord. And the root of five years of um, being afraid at night came down to that one thing that I really didn't trust Him to protect me and to really take care of us. And, and I remember just having that thought about the Lord, like, I don't know why you let this happen, but I know that I am your daughter and you're with me, that our story was not going to end with ashes. And for me in that moment, it was like the darkness lifted and I saw a light that there was going to be a way to get through it would be to cherish hope and to cherish who He is and to believe in His promises. And um, I got a phone call from a dear friend who said, you know, there's somebody that has a similar story and has lost his wife, and he's a father, and he loves the Lord, and would you be interested in getting to know him? bad things happen is everything. It's really being able to choose to see His goodness, to really believe His purpose in that is to bring about something good. Do you trust Him? Will you trust Him? I don't know what's, what's going on in your story right now where you're struggling to take that step of trust. Uh, you, you may think it, it's something big, something uh, like Angel's story. Maybe, maybe you would say it's just a small matter. But I, I would suggest today that, that no challenge to trusting God in our, our relationship with Him is really small. 
No challenge to our trust in Him is small because the issue of whether we trust God is always a major factor in Him working in and through us. What would it look like for you to trust today? Maybe maybe a question we could ask is, what are the barriers to trust? What's the obstacle between you and fully trusting God? Maybe, maybe it's fear. Maybe it's fear. Maybe, maybe that, that declaration of trust is to dismantle fear. Maybe it's, is it, is it, is it hesitation? You don't understand the next step. You you hear God's call, but you're still hesitant. Maybe trust is taking that step. Is it regret? Maybe trust would look like trying again, even though the last time maybe didn't go so great. Is the barrier in your life doubt? Friend, don't don't let the enemy rob you of your inheritance in Christ through doubt. Trust Him. The writer of Proverbs gives us uh, uh, beautiful instruction, so simple, in what it means to trust the Lord. He he says in in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, he says, Trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on what you can figure out. Lean not on what it feels like. Lean not on those things the world says. Lean on the Lord. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Friend, whatever trust looks like in your story today, God is worthy of your trust. You're safe in His wheelbarrow. (laughs) Trusting Him is always the right decision for our life. today about receiving communion. Elements uh, representing the body and the blood of Christ. Today, these elements can serve as a declaration of trust for you. This is a tangible way to say, yet you, Lord, to look beyond that reality of where you are to just say, I am going to lean on you, not on my understanding. Lord, I'm trusting be your declaration today. That Lord, no matter what I see or feel or think, I will trust you. The communion supper was instituted, was given by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's a sacrament at which proclaims his life, his sufferings, his sacrificial death and resurrection and yes, the hope we have 
his coming again. Friends, you don't have to be a member of the local body today to receive the elements. But we do ask that you be sincere. Don't be holding on to sin and tampering with the body and the blood. Paul warns us about those things. But if you're sincere, if you're seeking him, I invite you to come. To make a declaration of trust in Jesus. The tables are open. His arms are open for you today to receive him. To receive him. The wafer uh, represents his body. The body of the Lord Jesus. Broken for you, may it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. The juice represents the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ shed for you. Preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Eat and drink today in remembrance that Christ died for you. And be thankful. Make that declaration of trust today in who He is and what He's done for you. Let's pray together. I invite you to stand. Lord, today we. We want to encounter you at these tables, Lord. We want to trust in you, Lord, as we receive these elements. We're reminded of of how far you've gone. How far you've been willing to go to reach us, to make a way for reconciliation and forgiveness and new life. Lord, that, that we can trust you. So, Lord, we thank you for an open table today that we can approach you and receive grace and mercy. And, Lord, that we can declare, I will trust you, Lord. And so as we receive these elements today, the bread and the cup, Lord, we trust you. We trust you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.